0: And welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast funded by the Legend of the Five Rings Discord Patriot.
1: This podcast focuses on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Kova. I am Kikita Keori, and I have my mooncakes ready, and I'm ready to talk about more fiction.
0: Yes, because we've had this is another two fiction podcast. The last two fiction of the Inheritance Cycle have fallen upon us. Uh, depending on how you feel, like a ton of bricks or a gentle wave,
1: or um, like two swords from heaven,
0: or two swords from heaven. This is two swords fall from heaven. Read by Marie Brennan. So basically, in in the first one, we have the dragon clan army finally getting to Uchi, as they have been for quite some time. In fact, we we only saw them once in between here and when they left, when they did something and did stuff at a way and got permission from the line to get get here. So here they are. And the viewpoint characters are Miramoto Hitomi and Takashi Mitsu. Mitsu has has a bad feeling about all this. And he prevails upon Hitomi to enter the city rather earlier than planned. There is some confusion and some shenanigans and some, you know, what are those those fun kind of, I'm absolutely certain I know what's going on in Tensei-de. Yeah. <laughs> And it's two swords fall from heaven and looks like one sword is Takashi Mitsu who finds Daisetsu and Shahai who are just about to run away and have successfully run away outside the city. And he makes the snap decision because he has been given the, the, the orders prophecy slash oracle guidance from his clan champion to help the prince. And here he, here he has, he's got a prince. But there are two princes. Is this the prince? And he goes, yes. Yes, it is. Otherwise, I, I'm assuming I was here because this is the prince I meant to help. So I'm helping this prince. Meanwhile, Hitomi enters the city and there's this slightly hilarious thing where she thinks that the two guards she found unconscious at the gate were knocked out by Mitsu. And is going, oh, Mitsu, what's he like? Only only we we know that's not him. And then she presents herself to the ruby champion and says, you know, what's going on? And it's like, oh, oh, that's what's going on. Oh, goodness. And the ruby champion takes the dragon clan army and uses them to guard the imperial palace. And I believe Hitomi has has taken help the prince to mean Satori
1: right <laughs> because you know prophecies can work both ways so so i like that uh, takashi daimyo has his spaces covered
0: oh yeah i mean and, and it's possible that literally i'm going to say this this thing which is ambiguous knowing full well that one group of people will will say the prince is clearly daisetsu and one group will say the prince is clearly Sato- satori <laughs> and it'll all work out fine. Of course yeah.
1: it will.
0: It'll absolutely work They're out. The dragon. Fine. Yep, the dragon. Um so this is the dragon finding out what's been going on in the imperial capital tonight.
1: Right. So this is this follow up from the fiction we had earlier where uh, uh defending a little or it comes in and helps a little, that's being messed with by Ronan. Yep. Yeah. Uh, into the imperial capital, but there are some there are some interesting lore kind of things here. Around the imperial capital are a set of villages that, in old lore, I believe was generally called the Hub of Villages.
0: Yes, there were. Four, one, north, north, south, east, and west. I don't think they would just necessarily just called that, but yeah, they were the hub of villages.
1: In this floor, they're called the petal villages, which mm. I really like. The image it makes Otis uchi a chrysanthemum. I thought it was very interesting how most of the samurai in the clan, at least high up, like say had told me uh know that Mitsu is Tagashi's heir. Mitsu is not related to Tagashi he's not his son or anything. But everybody knows that Mitsu's the one and has been appointed. Uh, Hito- Hitomi's even jealous of it, so it seems like it's not necessarily locked to being the Tagashi.
0: Well, bearing in mind the Tagashi is not a family, the Tagashi is a monastic order. Even if the Tagashi is what's the Kami Togashi left behind him, which is one of the many reasons why the Togashi order is really weird and uncomfortable. And a lot of people don't quite know how to deal with these guys, which is part of the fun. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So I don't think that will be all that unknown because the, the air would be a thing people would want to know. And if there's going to be a handover soon, that's something, I think that's a piece of information that would be out someone he. Would have been declared. He is the heir, he is the next one. You don't need to mm-hmm. panic about me dying and then suddenly not being around.
1: I did think that uh, there was an interesting line in there. Yeah, uh, Mitsu was speaking to the prince, and here's a guy who's never spoken to a prince. Mm. And it says he spoke in cadences of formal speech with the practiced ease of many lifetimes.
0: Which. Could just mean that he's been up a mountain and he's very well educated because he's a monk and da ba da ba da ba da. Or we could be because we're not quite sure what the Tagashi champion, the the Dragon Clan champion, the Tagashi. I don't know if Tagashi Daimyo is the right word. Is it the Tagashi Abbot, the leader <laughs> of the Tagashi? Yeah, whatever the leader of the Tagashi. Convenient, the leader of the Tagashi is also the clan champion, but. Um we're not quite sure who or what he is because in old lore, he was literally Tagashi. Like, right. He was, well, in some versions, he was literally the guy who fell out the sky a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. He is literally still that guy. And every so often he says, I've died and become someone else, honest. But is that what's happening here? I mean, I'm pretty sure. I can't remember where I got this idea from. But there I'm pretty sure there was a version where the spirit of Tagashi possessed the physical bodies of each successive champion, but that could just be my my memory playing tricks with me. Or-
1: well, being as there is an heir, mm. uh, it is it is possible that Mitsu's being set up for being the next person possessed, but we don't know yet. Uh, it's it's just an interesting idea,
0: or it could be a situation more like the. Ancestral sword of the Phoenix, where you have the soul of Shiba and the souls of all the other clan champions. So it could be more like that, mm-hmm. or it could be that you know when Mitsu becomes the the, the new champion. In there are lots of air quotes going on here, which you can't see because it's a podcast. <laughs> Mitsu somehow disappears, and Takashi says, "I'm Mitsu now." Honest, but. I don't know about that. It's 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 a very interesting situation and I'm looking forward to seeing what's going on. The other thing that's kind of interesting, which I – which they haven't really shown in the Togashi, is that Mitsu's tattoos seem to work in a very interesting way in that when he is using his tiger tattoo, he literally – that takes over him to some extent. He cannot speak while he's the tiger because the tiger is a beast and – is inciting to violence and tum 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 he controls it and masters it but that's not really how they've been portrayed up till now and that's interesting and I don't know whether that's Mitsu specifically the tiger tattoo specifically or that's just him oh that's this is how that tattoos work out. That was really cool.
1: Yeah, I like the so tattoos have always been sort of drawing part of your soul out, uh, is I believe the way that they've talked about them in the past.
0: Or, well, also the in old law, which may not be true of new law. In old law, they were literally being tattooed with the blood of Tagashi, so the tattoos. Uh-huh have power because it's literally the blood of one of the gods, one of the great Kami. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether that's drawing forth your soul or whether it is you're being empowered by Tum-Tum, it was kind of up in the air. I don't think they ever really said in terms of it comes from within. Mm -hmm. So is this a change? Is this just emphasizing one particular way of seeing it? It's really interesting.
1: Like many things, Dragon, it is quite mysterious and – Togashi's visions were described as being very taxing to the dragon in body and spirit. So either they really are, or Togashi tells them they are, or you know, the Togashi daimyo tells them they are. And we had another vassal family called out. This is a new vassal family of the Bayushi, and he introduces himself as Bayushi no Sentaki Yuguri-san. So Sentaki is the family name. Bayushi is the is the vassal family name. Bayushi is the main family name. So it's yep. main family, no vassal family, and then regular name.
0: So we don't know whether that this is one of those special vassal families that does specific things or whether it's just one of the sub-branches of the Bayushi who mm-hmm. sometimes give their name out.
1: But it is new. So there you go.
0: There you go. New stuff.
1: The other story we have is Black and White Um, This one we have been waiting for for a long time It is called Black and White And it is by D.G. Latteroot About when Kachiko comes to her husband And it's told from Bayushi Shouju's point of view Kachiko tells him that the emperor is dead (laughs) And that one of the sons Is guilty of the deed And the other is at the very end, inserted there, uh, by the way, Daisetsu is also missing. But she doesn't know, and um, Shoju doesn't know at this point in the story, that Daisetsu has actually left the city. They just know he's missing, but they think he's, you know, hiding somewhere in the palace. She hints that if Sochiri is put on the throne, you and the scorpion can control him for the rest of his life because they have this amazing blackmail material oh. that she's covered up. But if Daisetsu is put on the throne, he would eventually grow up and possibly grow out of their control. And uh, in the story, Shoju condemns her for thinking of such blackmail, but realizes that may well have to take the throne in order to keep the empire stable. Mm. And also in the story, Okoda uh, Tatori awakens uh, to learn that the emperor is dead, and he feels that he's failed, he is going to have to go make
0: up. And and his wife can't follow him where he is going. But If you get the the PDF, the the borders are red when it's shoju's point of view because that's scorpion coloured. And when they get here, I believe the borders go white and not yellow. They not yellow, which would be lion colours or or green, which would be emerald champion. So that's cool mm. observation. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, all sorts of just – I think this is the thing everyone was been anticipating since Kachiko came across the murder. It's like, mm-hmm. what is going to happen when Shoji finds out? And here we have Shoji finding out a lot.
1: Now, they had a pretty, if not really uh, loving, but somewhat close relationship between Kachiko uh, when we first see them depicted in the world of stage –
0: Hmm. Um, yeah, they they seemed more like part yeah, business partners who worked together well. But yeah,
1: right at this point, that's dead. He's he pulls a knife on her. He threatens her with a tree. So those who are not familiar with the old lore, if there is a scorpion who ever betrays their lord, the scorpion have that person executed and their soul bound into a tree in traitor's grove, which means they don't get access to the afterlife. They are stuck off the cycle of rebirth forever. People come and throw stones at them.
0: And, and being in the tree apparently is itself really unpleasant. There's actually another, there's a key thing that Kachiko does not say, mm-hmm. which is because I've been, I've been saying up until now, she hasn't, she, although she has screwed up, Largely because she didn't know about the edict and stuff like that. Um, she did things that, that, in retrospect, were terrible, terrible ideas. There is one thing that she does right now, which I would consider to be properly betraying the scorpion, which is yes. she does not tell Shoju that she put a hit out on Okoto Totori. Uh, this, and this is right after Shoju says, right, we're going to have to get Totori here. We're going to have to get him involved. And she just goes, <clears throat> la, 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 la. I'm just going go off and do my things that you've told me to do. And that's the problem.
1: It may be that she didn't think Aramoro would be able to uh, kill Tatori so fast.
0: She should have said. Honestly, right. she should have said. But but look, given the information I had, my lord, this is what I needed to do. Admittedly, she was probably worried that Shoju would have said, do you know that thing I said where you, you haven't quite done enough to get tre- – Oh, yeah, I've changed my mind.
1: <laughs> You're going to be <laughs> in a tree now.
0: Yeah. Co- because – yeah.
1: Betraying the Emerald Champion, killing the well, Emerald Champion is a, is an act of treason to the Empire. It's not well, just I, I,
0: and and I have to say, I was thinking more and lying to your clan champion. Yes, <laughs> is just the worst thing. And yeah, and so she has put herself into a great big hole that is full of very unpleasant things that you don't want to be in a hole of. Um, and that's where she's put herself. This is this is where I think this is there's going to have to be a scorpion civil war. I don't think there's a way around it at this point. Uh, we also have confirmation of, first off, that showed you knew about relationship with Kachiko and Hotaru. Yes. And that it is a real relationship as far as Kachika is concerned.
1: It is definitely a weakness of hers. She has mm. it a bit, has what in uh, the new RPG would be an outburst, an emotional moment where she's protesting and she compares Shouju to Doji as a no no. Um, and it's a mistake. And it's the first uh, actual slip in her face that we have seen.
0: Um, so the yeah, this is this is a a really cool, interesting fiction. It just, mm-hmm. and, and just seeing Shoji's point of view, I think, is really lovely.
1: So we do have a little bit of lore in this. Um, the term that they are used for the imperial regent was seisho. Uh and we learned because writer comments boards actually on Discord, that normally the position of Seisho in the event of the death of the Emperor would go to the Imperial Chancellor, who is currently Kakita Yoshi, but the edict changes that and designates Bayushi shoju Yeah. So whether, that was whether one or not good the thing. edict goes
0: further. Yeah. That was right. yeah, that was yeah, but the edict is all oh dear. Right. Uh, we also have the the throne itself is described and there are two pillars on either side of it. I think we know this. I think we've seen art of this. Yes. Um, but it is stated, in case you haven't read that or you don't read Japanese, the left pillar says, revere heaven, love people. And the right pillar says, all is right with the world. I'm, I'm thinking right pillar has left us let us down a little bit.
1: Well, I thought that this was interesting. In that we we talk about the different clans, the right and left hand with the of the emperor, mm. and you have these uh, ch- uh, pillars. And if you think about the duties of the emperor and the duties of the clan, what that left the left pillar is a revere heaven, love. take care of the people, take care of the, uh, and give honor to the spirits. That's like the crane and the phoenix missions. Yeah, on on that side. And the right-hand pillar, all is right with the world, is like make sure all is. Right. If you think of that as yeah, a mission yeah. statement, sort of like the left pillar is a mission statement. If the right pillar is actually a mission statement, then you would say that it is the lion and the crabs' duty to make yeah. sure all is right with the world.
0: Yeah, and, and scorpion to an extent. Only they, right? Yeah, they, there's kind of everything's fine. That that guy who was going to cause a problem died of totally natural causes.
1: Mm-hmm. And the dragon could be on the left side there, so uh, it's kind of mm. splits the the clans in an interesting way. Yeah. That that these missions are uh, these things are very poetic version of of a kind of missions for the empire. Yeah. So that was cool. Um, the last thing that there was was uh, they talk about uh, showed you playing. The emperor like a bunraku puppet yeah. on strings. So I thought I'd look up and see what a bunraku puppet really was, and it's they're very cool. Uh, a bunraku puppet is a full body puppet. Japanese puppet is about half life size. So it's actually like three, it's three feet tall or so. And it's controlled by control rods. And it usually takes three puppeteers per puppet to make these things go. go. And they would do no plays and other kinds of plays with these uh, full body puppets and traditional, very traditional art. But I thought it was just cool that that's what a Bunraku puppet is. Of course, there being strings is met me- metaphorically, here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that may be just one of those things. And I mean, the Bunraku puppet theatres were uh, were quite a big thing. I mean, the original forty seven Ronin uh, play that that that's the thing that kind of got it into the public consciousness uh, mm-hmm. was originally a Bunraku.
1: We've had these two great stories, and now this finishes up the Inheritance Cycle art, and we're still going, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? Which is probably where we want to be. But I thought we were talking about the Dragon Clan earlier, and uh, how it fits Two Swords Fall from Heaven. So I thought maybe we'd talk about lore for the Dragon Clan today. So you are our Dragon Clan expert. You want to tell us who Togashi is? Uh,
0: Well, we start off with Togashi, the kami who founded the clan. And even in the days before the fall from heaven, he was mysterious and strange and esoteric. Uh, he has, he was blessed, maybe blessed comes in those air quotes I mentioned earlier, uh, blessed with foresight and the seeing of the future, which meant that he, to some extent, knew that Onatangu was going to eat the children of the sun and moon. And thus he actually revealed himself, uh, Shinjo and Fuleng to be eaten. Which I, I'm, I'm not sure uh, made him particularly popular. <laughs> After the fall, he didn't particularly want any followers. He left and went into the mountains, but two followed him anyway: Muromoto and Agasha. And we'll come back to them later. And then people they people started coming to the shrine that was built for him to live in, and so more and more people started coming, and that became the Dragon Clan. So they kind of accumulated around him because they wanted to be part of their clan, rather than him going out and gathering followers. So that's kind of interesting.
1: That's right. And so the biggest story from the fairy tales, I guess, of uh, related to Tagashi, is that when Shinsei came to the Kami to tell them, we need to round up, a bunch of regular humans, the Seven Thunders, because uh, Togashi listened, but he didn't say anything to any of that. And then he suddenly got up and walked off. And Tog- his followers went after him to say, "What are you going? And he told the followers that he was going to not eat or move until he understand. And he punked himself down in the middle of a forest. And he sat there. And finally, Shinsei came and sat down across from him, and Togashi said, I will not move until I understand. And then Shinsei said, neither will I. At that point, Togashi laughed, and a nightingale carried to him, and he ate, and he started doing some more things in the world.
0: Yes. So, yeah, he was So he was right there at the beginning of the Tower the, the of Shinsei, because that long conversation – Wasn't just we need to get some mortals. It was a lot of questions from Mm Hantei to Shinsei, written down by Shiba. Right. And that's where the Tao comes. So he was so he was right there and he's just going, I don't understand any of this Which is kind of interesting because, you know, he is very much when 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 he, he is the weird and mysterious kami who knows things that other people don't, and here is he going, I don't get this that's really fascinating. So the first follower of Togashi was Miramoto. He was a Yojimbo. Uh, he was a, a rough, tough, practical man as compared to the slightly esoteric Togashi. Uh, he was the one who developed Niten, the school of fighting with two swords. Uh, he was chosen as a thunder and died on the day of thunder fighting against Fuleng. So the actual clan or the family of Miramoto was more founded by his son, Miramoto Hojatsu, who wrote the book Niten, which can mean two swords, two heavens, two swords fall from heaven, which is the (laughs) name of the latest fiction. And he was a famous duelist, as was Miramoto. And that became, there ended up being a rivalry between Hojatsu and Kakita, which, as we all know, has now become a rivalry between the Miramoto school and the Kakita duelist school. They fought twice, once on the Order of the Emperor, who wanted to see a match to see who was the best. And so they, they stood in their stance and they they locked eyes and they did the stare down and presumably did that thing where you get the black and white visions of them fighting each other. <laughs> but they didn't move as, they, as they're looking for some kind of opening where they could they could strike. But they stood there all day waiting for an opening that never came. And at sunset, they bowed at the same moment, knowing that any fight between them would be a draw, or possibly fatal to both. And then there was a second time. There was the dragon and the crane were in battle with one another. And they both knew that this would be their one chance to actually, like, finally see what would happen. And Kikita killed hojatsu but at the same moment, Hojatsu inflicted on Kikita a mortal wound. So Kikita refused any healing and fell on Hojatsu's sword, saying finish your master's work and so that it would be truly a draw between the two to recognize that they had in fact bested each other although you know in the century since people have argued it's still <laughs> ongoing to this day
1: yes um his other followers were agasha agasha she was a shiginja but who was a very prolific observer of nature and she combined the magic of the kami with this weird concept called natural philosophy, which involves actually looking at the world and seeing mm-hmm. what it does. Um, and their magic tends to focus on this combination. and uses potions and chemicals as kind of like the, the fonts of their elemental magic.
0: Yes. I suspect it's an awful lot of, okay, this is an earth spell. I need stuff that's strong in earth, so I shall get some... Various things, and that will, you know, help the magic along, and all sorts of. But yeah, it's actually also looking at how the real world, the the mortal world, reacts, and stuff like that. So that's a, that's kind of cool. So they're a bit weird uh, compared to most other shugen. And then they have the Kitsuki, who are rather late for being a a major family. Around uh, about in the year nine hundred or so, you have Agasha Kitsuki, who was not himself a shugenja, so he learned more the scholarly arts. Uh, He also examined the natural world and worked out how things worked from observation and from experiment and all that sort of thing, Uh, to the extent that he could start to sum up a room or a person at a single glance, the Ichimiru. When he was framed for the murder of his sensei, he used the skills that he had taught himself to find the true murder and extract a confession and was thus uh, proven to be innocent, and he became a Yuriki... And eventually he stopped an assassination and became a daimyo of his own family. And this is the Kitsuki family, who are those strange people who believe in this weird thing called evidence. Much to the consternation of everyone else in law enforcement.
1: (laughs) So the dragon overall are really strange, but nobody's as strange as the Tsugashi monk uh, in that. So we talked a little bit about that. The kinds of tattoos you receive were somehow linked to your personality or to what the dragons need at the time or were determined by dragon clan champion or leader of the tagashi family um and they impart their power but uh originally they were made with the blood of the original tagashi and the dragon clan champion was as we said earlier mm-hmm. the original tagashi now it's like a little bit harder to know what it is. However, the Dragon Novel is coming out soon. Yes. And I bet we'll find out a ton about this in the Dragon yeah. Novel.
0: And there should be interesting things there because apart from anything else, one of, the, one of the keys is, hey, that tattoo you've got, that's really weird and mysterious. And that kind of implies that it wasn't given by somebody else, mm-hmm. that it just kind of appeared one day or, or that the – the t- tattooist wasn't, I'm going to take this design, which I've done a thousand times. And, no, I will do this weird thing, which no one – so that's, that should be very interesting and give us some more insight of where and, all this uh, comes from.
1: Yeah, so we – and we talked about how their tattoos are taking – and just this idea of – Whether or not Togashi is still living or is possessing his heirs or whatever. So that kind of leads into how the different clans interact with the dragon because a lot has to do with this relationship, Togashi.
0: Yes. I mean, it must be said that the Togashi Order, you very rarely see members of the Togashi Order out in the world. They they stay up in the mountains and they're very mysterious and they they show up in stories more than most people actually see them. So mostly it's the Miramoto, but even they have a reputation of being a little strange. Now, it must be said that the dragon and the crab don't have much interaction. They're literally opposite sides of the empire from one. Mm-hmm. So they don't do that much together. Uh, I think the dragon see the crab as, it is a pity that they live only for war, if only they could see a little further. Whereas the crab see the dragon as, people who are very very far away and of no use to us so we'll just ignore them
1: <laughs> the dragon and the crane we talked about the their biggest interaction is related to the uh, dueling rivalry kita Miramoto schools every so often they meet at the valley of the two generals which is this place Miramoto hajatsu died and they have a duel off to see who's who's the best duelist in rokugan
0: I mean, this seems – this is the friendly rivalry as opposed yes. to the rivalry between the Kakita and the Matsu, for example, right. which is not a friendly – no, no. The dragon and the lion, actually, that's probably the the most contentious relationship. Now, it shouldn't be too surprising to hear that, that – you know, what is the relation with the lion? Well, we're at war with them a lot. But <laughs> it's slightly more often than other people because way back in the olden times, not quite, I can't remember the exact year, uh, you had a member of the Phoenix who was engaged to a member of the lion. Um, they broke off their engagement so they could marry a Murimoto because they were in love, which, as we know, is not what samurai do. Uh, They end up founding a minor clan, the Dragonfly, which meant that the lion theoretically can't declare war on them. But the lion were very unhappy because this was an insult to their honor. Like, how dare you? You you had the marriage compact and how dare you? And so they they look for excuses. But the dragon take the Dragonfly under their wing. And so so the Dragonfly are effectively the buffer state between the dragon and the rest of the world. If you come looking for the dragon, you have to deal with the Dragonfly who very largely do the, I'm sorry, our master is not home. Maybe try tomorrow. (laughs) But that has meant, because the lion had spent some time trying to wipe out the dragonfly from time to time, that the dragon gets dragged into those wars. So they have fought the lion once.
1: Now, the dragon and the scorpion have an interesting relationship, at least by the old lore. And I have to say, overall, all of this with the dragon are very lore-dependent because a lot of things – were unknown at the beginning of uh, the story, and yep. who who Tagashi was played a major f- part in how the storyline for Old L Five R worked. So this it could all be subject to change.
0: Yeah, I mean, in the old law, in the old law, the, the the dragon were pretty much the only ones who didn't hate the scorpion. That was kind of one of the key things. Those the those that, that was their thing they were okay with the scorpion in a way that many of the other clowns. So that was kind of interesting. But that right. might be because.
1: There is a daughter of the scorpion, Bayushi Oshisho, who set out to find Tagashi's secret, because dragon were all mysterious. Scorpion got to mm. know that.
0: That's a secret we need to know.
1: Right. She learned that Tagashi was the original Kami, was the original Tagashi. She returned to the scorpion, hair streaked with gray and pregnant, and Revealed that secret to her father and then returned to the dragon to bear his son. Yep. To bear Togashi's son. And since then, the dragon the dragon have come to the aid of the scorpion once in a while out of respect for that marriage bond.
0: And it, it, in old lore, at least, it, only the scorpion clan champion knew the secret. Which was a big significant.
1: Right. And we haven't seen any mentions of a sun in New Lore at all. And so that whole part might be scrapped, but we will, we will see.
0: We will see. Yeah. We have the dragon, the phoenix. The dragon, the phoenix, they're interacting with the, the formation of the dragonfly. So that, that was the thing. So they worked together on that. Uh, there is some spiritual competition between the two in that, in many ways, the phoenix work with the outer mystery of the spirits that are outside and the spirits that are in the world, whereas the dragon deal with the inner mysteries of the human soul and who you are and searching for enlightenment and such like. So there's a little bit of stuff going on there between those two.
1: Right. And finally, the dragon and the unicorn, they haven't had a huge amount of interaction. The dragon have been fairly friendly Uh, in new lore Well, the biggest problem facing right now, the dragons are twofold. One is that they have this perfect land sect creeping in and dragging their hymen away from the way things ought to be in the emperor. Mm. And also the dragon have a
0: very, very low birth rate. Which has been declining over some time and they've only just noticed.
1: Exactly. So it's emptying villages. It, there's, there's just very few kids. So one of the things the dragon are doing is adopting uh, children, orphans from unicorn lands to try and bring more to the clan. But that's really the only interaction there.
0: And, and honestly, the, from the point of view of the dragon, the perfect land sect isn't that big a deal, Because as far as they're concerned, that's just people, individual people finding their own individual way to enlightenment, which is very much the dragon way. Which is one of the things that sets them apart is that the dragon are okay with people having different ways of doing things, as opposed to the lion, to say, It's good enough for your ancestors, that's what you're doing. (laughs) And and the crane would be like, No, this has been the fashion, this has been the ritual for a thousand years. This is how this is how you do it. This is this is how you hold your way absolutely. <laughs> Whereas the dragon are very much, you follow your own path. And so to them, the perfect land sect is just kind of, huh, that's interesting as opposed to, Oh no. But from the Phoenix point of view, this is the a contention with the dragon, and the Phoenix, the Phoenix, go, this is straight up heresy. How dare you? But the dragon are actually sheltering them because they, they don't think it's a problem. Only they might be wrong.
1: <laughs> and So we will have to see what, what comes out of it. Um, what the dragon are doing would be interesting with where they are in the story but as I said this is like the biggest set of lore I think that is dependent on how the new storyline goes compared to the old because they did many many wacky things after, uh, after this lore and even this is starting it looks kind of iffy but we will have to see
0: we will have to see
1: So we've got uh, a couple call-outs that I wanted to make. One I wanted to call is that if you get the chance, Roland in Rokugan has a great interview. Uh, Tyler Parrott, the LCG and lead story guy for Fantasy Flight at this time. And he spends a whole hour talking to the folks at Roland in Rokugan specifically about the RPG and lore, as opposed to any card game stuff. So that is... Really Worth Going and Linger Podcast. And also want to call out our sister podcast.
0: Hmm. Uh, the Court Games Podcast. Sister of the Court Games Podcast. But the, L- the LCG.
1: The LCG one. And, of course, our Discord patrons who help pay for our editing software.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we know we need so much.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. Yes. Uh, anyway, that's it for me this week. This is Kikita Kaori. May the fortunes favor you.
0: And until we meet again, keep your jade handy. Hey there, this is Seabass, editor for Court Games, here with just a quick announcement. We took feedback from the community in our Court Games Talk channel last month, and in order to better cater to fans of each specific L5R product, we've chosen to split up the channel into two channels. Court Games LCG and Court Games RPG. Link is in the show notes so you can subscribe for notifications when we release the new LCG episode next week. We would have needed to split the channels eventually once we hit our weekly release goal on our Patreon, and especially when we hit our actual play goal for the RPG cast. We just wanted to make it easier for folks to curate their experience sooner than later. Thank you so much for your support so far. Court Games is getting recognized, and we love you all and look forward to continuing the conversation online.